0: Hi, this is Yolanda. I'm sharing with you um, a book called Joseph Smith Fought Polygamy and I'm going to read the preface and this is by Richard and Pamela Price and this is volume one. How men nearest the prophet Attached polygamy to his name in order to justify their own polygamous crimes. And here's a quote. What I think It is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when i can only find one and that was joseph smith lds history of the church chapter six page four one one here we go the preface our study of polygamy among the mormons began in the early 1950s when we decided to make a serious effort to discover the roots of the doctrine of polygamy in the church Polygamy was a subject of natural interest to both of us because of our church backgrounds. Pamela's great-grandfather, James Robert Dow, went to Utah during Brigham Young's lifetime. James was baptised in Salt Lake City in 1817 and was married and endowed in the endowment house in the same year. Pamela often heard her grandmother, Mary Dow Sanders, tell how her father, James Dow, fled from Utah to escape polygamy and bring it Brigham Young's tyranny. Richard was reared in Idaho and Nevada, where Mormonism was the dominant religion. His father died when Richard was two, and he had two Mormon stepfathers. The first stepfather joined the rlds church, but that marriage ended in divorce. His mother, a third generation rlds member, later married a staunch Mormon elder, a widower who had gone to the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City, where he was endowed, married, and sealed to his first wife and their children for time and eternity. In our research on this subject, we were encouraged by letters to Pamela from the Prophet Israel A. Smith, President of the Reorganised Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Over the years, our endeavours turned into an exhaustive research project, as we gathered information by travel and correspondence from many libraries throughout the United States and England, in these studies, it was discovered that polygamy, as it is known among the Mormons, did not begin with Joseph, with Joseph, but was brought into the church by missionaries and their converts. This was particularly true of those who were converted from a sect called Cochranites, which was started by Jacob Cochran about 1816. When Cochran's church disintegrated, Latter-day Saint missionaries, including Brigham Young and Orson Hyde, converted some of its adherents, and these people brought their polygamous beliefs with them when they came into the church. Later, some of the Latter-day Saint apostles took plural wives, including women who had known of or had been connected with Jacob Cochrane's church and its teachings. Cochrane's polygamy was well known throughout New England before the church was organised, Some of the apostles and their close friends who had ministered in Cochrane's area began secretively practising polygamy at Nauvoo at least two years before Joseph's death. Joseph fought against this doctrine from the time he was married to Emma in 1827, even before the church was organised, until the time of his death. He did not practise polygamy nor teach it to others. Years later, his sons went to Utah and proclaimed against polygamy. In order to counteract their efforts, the leaders of the Mormon church, such as Brigham Young, John Taylor and Heber C. Kimball, had some of their wives and other women make affidavits that stated they had been wives Joseph's wives in Nauvoo. The fact that Joseph and Hiram had no children born of polygamous wives and that the testimonies of the alleged wives can be proven false is only a part of the vast amount of evidence which indicates that Joseph was innocent. It can be proven that men nearest the prophet entered into a conspiracy against Joseph and Hiram and attached polygamy to Joseph's name in order to justify their own crimes of practising it. The polygamous doctrines promoted by this conspiracy are still the basis of the Mormon Church's theology. If you would like to um, know more about these details, there is a website called Joseph Smith innocent of polygamy by richard price and there is also a book that you can buy from the restoration bookstore um online and it's called joseph smith for polygamy um which i did buy and i have handed to a friend but i will carry on reading um from online okay thank you for listening chapter one of joseph smith for polygamy Cochranism, the origin of Utah Mormon polygamy. For over a century and a half, the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with headquarters in Salt Lake City, Utah, have claimed that the Prophet Joseph Smith Jr. received a revelation in July 1843, which commanded the saints to practice polygamy. The truth is, however, that polygamy in the Church had its beginnings not with Joseph, but with a man named jacob cochran about 1816 cochran started a denomination in the area of saco Maine, in which he introduced polygamy some of his polygamous practices were later adopted by apostles brigham young john taylor heber c kimball and parley p pratt orson hyde and others these church leaders secretly practiced polygamy in Nauvoo before Joseph death without his approval the astounding story of jacob cochran's polygamy is told by gt ridlon senior he was related to some of the cochranites as they were called. He spent twenty-five years writing a book published in eighteen ninety five entitled Sacro Valley Settlements and Families. Excerpts from his book are printed below to acquaint the reader with polygamy as it was being practised prior to the organization of the church in eighteen thirty. Titles have been inserted in brackets into Ridland's account in order to lay a foundation for later discussions of the various subjects in his book. Quote the Cochrane Delusion He, Jacob Cochrane, must have been a unique and very remarkable character. His intellectual, mesmeric and physical powers were certainly extraordinary. Whatever view we may entertain regarding the soundness of his doctrines, the method employed by him, or the character of the man, we have no warrant for for believing that he was an illiterate, impulsive ranter who carried forward his work like a cloud driven by a tempest. On the other hand, he was cool, calculating, and deliberate. In the towns bordering on the Saco River, several hundreds professed conversion under his preaching and the influence of the revival extended from this locality into other towns in western Maine until within a year from the inauguration of the movement, about a thousand persons made a profession of religion. Many of these were sincere believers in the New Testament and were never involved in the ridiculous practices encouraged by the leader. When Cochrane first began to preach in Scarborough and Sacco, his commanding appearance, evident learning, matchless oratory, and the uncertainty existing regarding his creed opened to him the churches, and some of the settled pastors listened to him with amazement. Next heading, Revelations to Practice Spiritual Wifery. When Cochrane had secured a firm foothold in the community, his creed evolved a new and startling phase. He preached against the legal marriage bond, and in the ideal state pictured by him, the inhabitants were neither married nor given in marriage. This should begin on earth, being God's standard for society, and be neither married nor given in marriage. This should begin on earth, being God's standard for society, and be as nearly approximated as mortal conditions would admit of. The affinities were to be all spiritual and were infinitely superior to any relations formed by natural affection. He admonished all who had been united in the bonds of matrimony according to the laws of the land to hold themselves in readiness to dissolve such union and renounce their vows. All revelations to this end were to come through Cochrane, of course, and in the allotment of the spoils the leader, by virtue of his rank, was sure to get the lion's share. Tradition assumes that he received frequent consignments of spiritual consorts and that such were invariably the most robust and attractive women in the community next heading cochrane taught the exchanging of wives as we have intimated he had a sort of permanent wife locally known as mrs cochrane but his loyalty to her was subject to such revelations as he might receive anent his duty to others some who were conversant with these affairs now living, relate that on one of Cochrane's professional visitations, he informed one of his male followers that he had, while at prayer in his house that morning, received a communication direct from him who dwells above the stars that embodied into Alia, a requirement of a peculiar character, namely that he and the brother addressed should, for the time being, exchange wives, to this, as from the lords via Cochrane, his medium, the layman consented, and leaving Cochrane to assume the government of his family, he immediately went to pay his respects to Mrs Cochrane. Now this woman was somewhat sceptical in regard to her husband's doctrine and practices, and when she responded to the knock at her door and inquired about the nature of the man's errand, when he told her about her husband's new revelation with clenched fish and flashing eyes, she replied, you go straight back and tell Jack Cochrane his God is a liar. next heading, the origin of the Garden of Eden temple ceremony. In place of figure drawings upon a blackboard to illustrate scriptural incidents, he employed the more impressive mediums of flesh and blood. One of the favourite tableaux introduced by these fanatics was the personification of our first parents, as they were supposed to have appeared before fig leaf aprons were in fashion. We have not found a description of the stage scenery used as accessory to this performance, but a part of the programme was for the disciples present, both male and female, to sit upon the floor in a circle, while the idol Adam in the person of Cochrane and Eve in the person of some chosen female came into this extemporised Garden of Eden. But disintegrating elements were now beginning to disturb the system. The fact that the preaching of Cochrane had the effect who destroyed domestic peace and ruined the home life of many who had become identified with the movement who prov- produced a more healthy reaction than the leader had anticipated. Married men embraced the doctrine, promulgated, while their more virtuous or liver headed wives would have no part or lot in the matter. On the other hand, women who had hitherto lived consistent and respectable lives became infatuated with Cochrane and his preaching while their husbands were decidedly adverse to both. These conflicting elements in the home were stimulated rather than conciliated by the leader and hatred was eventually engendered between heads of family or families which culminated in separation. But as the people became acquainted with his style and the prejudice that preceded his coming wore away, he would excite excite curiosity and stimulate sensation by introducing some novel ceremony or by making startling statements in his sermons. At Leamington, meetings were held at the dwelling of a native of Buxton who once lived on Woodsum's Hill below Salmon Falls. Runners were sent down to Buxton and Hollis to advise Cochrane's disciples that brother Jacob would hold meetings on such a day and evening. To avoid suspicion, the Cochraneites went from home at night and followed a circuitous route to Leamington. One of these was a brother of the man at whose house Cochrane was to preach, Sister Mercy, a beautiful young medium, The one who alternated between the terrestrial and celestial worlds was there, ready to soar away or to remain in the body, as the leader of ceremonies might wish, if it was deemed best for the success of the service that mercy depart. Cochrane gave the signal, and away she went upon the floor. On this occasion, however, she did not go beyond recall, for when the services had closed and the time for rest came, the owner of the house placed a candle in Cochrane's hand, opened a sleeping room door, and with a significant gesture, bade Brother Cochrane and Sister Mercy good night. The matter embodied in this chapter was not culled from dim traditions that had been handed down from generations enfeebled by age, but has been received from the lips of venerable persons of unimpaired mental faculties, who had listened to the preaching and witnessed the peculiar practices of Jacob Cochrane. While he held such a mighty sway in the towns on the Saco river i could have supplemented these statements by quotations from a bundle of yellow documents that were formulated by a magistrate who lived in buxton at the time these things occurred but some of these affidavits would be of too sensational and personal a character for my purpose i've not torn the vow asunder from the top to the bottom by means, and have left out enough of tradition and documentary evidence relating to this remarkable delusion to fill a volume. The result of this widespread religious epidemic was far-reaching and ruinous. For nearly three-score years, this corroding wave of influence has been creeping downward, keeping pace with the three generations of descendants of those who were involved in the original delusive excitement inaugurated by the villainous destroyer of homes and human happiness, who thought dead speaks still through the villainous destroyer of homes and human happiness, who, though dead, speaks still through the instrumentality of his influence and by the soul blight of their posterity, born out of wedlock. Some of the scenes witnessed in the domestic circles in the Saco River towns were heartrending. Young wives, who had refused to prostitute their principles of virtue by submitting to the demoralising practices of the Cochranites were bereft of their children and forsaken such were left in sorrow and poverty, and all their remaining days refused to be comforted because those they had loved were not. An aged and saintly woman was recently visited, whose father, once an industrious farmer with a very pleasant home, became a public advocate of the Cochrane creed, and who, after long neglect of his farm and family to follow what? In his delusion, he called duty, visited foreign lands and eventually died. A stranger among strangers, thousands of miles from home and kindred, as this venerable woman adverted to her childhood days and her father's expatriation. expatriation. She groaned in spirit and wept a far-off echo of a voice that had preached pernicious doctrines, but long ago silenced by the paralysing hand of death. We know of a sea captain who lived on the west side of Sacco. He had married a beautiful daughter of respectable parentage, and to them two pretty boys had been given. Before Jacob Cochrane appeared in that community, peace and contentment reigned in that home circle. But the father, a man of speculative and unstable mind, was swept from his moorings by the sophistry of this impostor, and spent the time that should have been devoted to the interests of his family with the followers of the new apostle to the Gentiles. As some called him, he had a spiritual wife assigned to him, said farewell to Hannah, tore her children from her bosom, and left for the westward, where a community of primitive Mormons had congregated next head in restoration missionaries labored among the Cochranites. The Cochrane craze paved the way for a Mormon invasion in the Saco Valley. A full-blooded Cochranite made a first-class Mormon saint. This statement by Ridlon was printed in 1895 when the controversy over polygamy in Utah was was receiving national attention and was at its zenith. It applies to the Mormon church in Utah at the time and not the Latter-day Saints during the lifetime of Joseph Smith Jr. Jake Cochran was a John the Baptist for the Mormon apostles who appeared on his old battlegrounds and gathered up the spoils The inhabitants of the river towns, as well as some in the interior, were afflicted with Cochranite grasshoppers, followed by Mormon locusts. Scions, cut from the decaying trunk of the old Cochrane tree, were readily engrafted into Mormon branches, but the fruit was not the same. When these had become firmly united, they were transplanted bodily to new soil, considered more congenial to their development in the state of New York. Some of the old people now living confound the two movements and we have found insuperable difficulty in sifting the chaff of error from the wheat of truth. It seems to have been a most remarkable coincidence, which has the appearance of concerted action between Cochrane and his successors. Almost as soon as he vacated the field, the founders of the Mormon hierarchy invested it. The history of the Mormon Church makes Brigham Young come to Maine in 1832 or 1833. The doctrine preached by Samuel Smith, Pratt and Young in York County was not of an offensive nature. It was, properly speaking, millenarianism. The excitement was immense. The inhabitants went 20 miles to hear these earnest missionaries preach. A change from Cochranism was wanted, and this new gospel seemed to be an improvement. Old wine was put into new bottles, and many drank to to their fill. At this time, polygamy had not been mentioned among the Mormons. No attempt was made to form an organised church, Cochrane. Had preached against such and Brigham found these disciples adverse to any ecclesiastical government and waited until he had transported his converts to Manchester New York before enforcing this part of his Creed the Mormon excitement spread into every town where Cochrane had made converts these had been washed from their moral and rational moorings by the tidal wave let loose upon the community by Jacob and the Mormon inundation Inundation, sorry, landed them high, if not dry, in New York State. The Mormon elders were unwearied in their efforts to enlarge the circle of their influence and to drum up recruits for the semi religious community. Like flaming heralds, they travelled from town to town, and their evident sincerity and unbounded enthusiasm drew thousands to hear them. James Townsend went from Buxton with his family, consisting of a wife and four children. He proved loyal to the end went westward by stages and built the first hotel in Utah. Only a few years ago, he visited the East and called upon his relatives and early acquaintances. He returned to his home in Salt Lake City and soon died leaving a vast estate. Some who joined the westward Mormon tide became preachers and travelled extensively on our continent and in foreign lands to promulgate the faith held by the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Many who removed to the New York settlement went west as far as Ohio, and some of them, after their brethren, went to Navo purchased land, and became successful farmers there. This is quoted from G.T. Riddon, Senior, Sacco Valley Settlements and Families, number 269283, close brackets. Next heading, Ridlon's 1895 account illustrates the Cochrane connection. The information taken from historian Ridlon's book in his chapter entitled The Cochrane Delusion reveals some definite likenesses between Cochraneism and the Mormon Church's polygamy, including one, Cochrane used the term spiritual wives just as the Utah polygamists did. So Cochrane claimed that permission to practice polygamy must come through revelation to the leader just as in the Mormon Church's theology. 3. The leader's permission was required before spiritual wifery could be practised. 4. Assigning of wives was practised in both systems. 5. Exchanging of wives was sometimes practised by both. 6. Oaths of secrecy were a requirement of Cochranism and are still a part of the LGS Temple ordinances. 7. The Garden of Eden ceremony was practised by Cochran and is also a part of the Mormon Church's temple ceremonies. That is the end of chapter one, and um, it does say, if you have any questions or comments about the content of this site, you may call the Restoration Bookstore at 816-461-5659, I repeat that, 816-461-5659, or send an email. If you have technical questions or comments about the operational design of this site, please contact our woodmaster. on to the next chapter. I'll carry on in the next um, episode. Thank you for listening.